Hello, awesome humans, and welcome to today's episode of the Awesome Human Podcast. I'm Natalie, your host, and I'm so grateful you're here. As a quick reminder, we record this podcast with a live virtual audience, so you will hear me respond to questions and comments. If you'd like to join me for Awesome Human Hour Live, I would love it. It's every Wednesday at noon Eastern, and you can sign up by going to happier.com and clicking on Awesome Human Hour. Now, before we dive into today's topic, just take a moment to arrive to this moment right now. This time is for you, and I hope you find today's episode really valuable. All right, so let's dive in. Let's start talking about resilience. So here is where I want to start. I want to tell you that um, I've really been, like the word resilience has bugged me for a while, and I, 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 I haven't figured out why. It took me a while to figure out why. And I think um, there's a couple of things about it. The first is I kind of uh, mistakenly always thought that resilience is about being tough, right? Actually, for most of my life, I prided myself on being very, very tough cookie who didn't need to rest, who didn't need to do self-care, who didn't need to care about my emotional and mental needs. I shared all of this um, in my book and my other work and on these webinars. So I consider myself a really resilient person because I was tough. And that's actually quite a, I mean, it was quite a wrong way to think about it because all of that toughness and all of that refusal to um, take care of my emotional and mental health got me to complete burnout and breakdown several years ago, which I've talked about. So it's not about being tough and it's not about um, never taking breaks, but there's something else about resilience um, and how I've seen it defined that's kind of bugged me. And it's that we talk about resilience been reflecting on this in the last couple weeks. I've been doing some talks about resilience for companies and conferences. So I kind of was digging into the topic and I realized here's what bugs me. I think we can do better. I think as human beings, we have greater capacity than just to like survive adversity and then just go back to where we were. I think that instead of thinking of resilience as bouncing back to just where we were, I want to think about it as bouncing forward, right? And so um, I invite you to really think of resilience in a different way, not as a way to like tough it out and then, okay, like the challenge passed, but can you um, think of it as expanding yourself in some way? And by that, I don't mean like learn a new skill, start a side hustle, right? There was this thing, this meme going around at the beginning of the pandemic of like, if you have not started a podcast during the quarantine, you're a pathetic loser. Or, you know, if you've not been exercising and juicing every day during the pandemic, oh my God, you're such a pathetic loser. Like, I don't mean that. What I mean by expanding, because that's just ridiculous, okay? We all got to laugh at that. But what I mean by expanding is can you open up and allow this challenge we're all going through to actually be part of you? Can you allow it to expand your heart? Can you allow it to expand your mind to maybe learn something about yourself or the world? And when I think of it that way, I have to tell you, it gives me energy. I actually shared a video um, on Instagram this morning and Debbie will kindly put it in chat so you can watch it later. But when I started to think of resilience as my ability to really embrace the challenge, to 
find ways to expand, to maybe learn something, to uh, embrace all of the different feelings that I'm having, that in itself gave me energy and fuel. Like I was fueled by that instead of just trying to survive it and then like bounce back to where I was. And so I encourage you to think of resilience as um, embracing adversity rather than just bouncing back. And by the way, one of the other psychological definitions of uh, resilience is positive adaptation amidst adversity. And so that appeals to me so much more. So again, as we talk about resilience, I really invite you to shift how you think about it away from just like ability to bounce back after challenges to um, your ability to bounce forward in your heart, in your mind as a human being, maybe by deepening some learning, maybe by experiencing new things, maybe by deepening your connections with others. Um, I talked about this a little bit when we did our creativity session. Um, I make art, I paint, and I have really um, started to make very different art during this pandemic. And there's a lot of research that shows creativity is how we process our emotions. You can only process emotions if you allow yourself to feel them. So for me, making different art has been one of the ways that I've been expanding. And so I really invite you to kind of put away the traditional definition of resiliency as something as tough and then you bounce back from challenges and think of it as um, your courageous embrace of challenge and adversity and how can you bounce forward um, through it. So Hold that in mind um, as, you're, as we're talking about different ways to help you boost your resilience. But again, as I shared in my um, Instagram video, which I invite you to watch later, like just redefining resilience that way has been really fueling for me. Because what I realized, um, especially during the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you feel this, I've realized that I've kind of like been like tightening up and holding my breath and just like surviving, right? Like just doing that stuff. Like I just want to survive the storm. Well, the storm is going to go on for a while and having a purpose that is greater than just making it through actually helps us to do it. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit because it um, uses one of the five skills I'm going to share with you. So again, just take some times to reflect on what resiliency means to you. Um, I've shared with you an invitation um, to how I'm gonna define it. And I really think that um, as human beings, we need to give ourselves more credit for how much we're able to expand and grow. Um, and there's actually a lot of research that shows that um, during crises, during really traumatic events, which is the definition of this pandemic, um, many people go through really significant personal growth. Um, I can attest to this. My personal breakdown and burnout several years ago was absolutely the um, culmination or the beginning or um, kind of the phoenix, pick the word that you want, of incredible personal growth. Um, and we have capacity as human beings to grow and to expand during crises. And I think if you just reflect on that and look for opportunities to do that, that is actually more helpful to help you get through this challenging time than just trying to survive it, than just like trying to make it through. Because um, things are uncertain and it's unclear 
what the end of through is or when it is. So um, with that, uh, let's talk about, and we'll see how many I get in. I have today, I'll show you guys my notes, lots of notes today. Um, I wanna talk about um, the five emotional fitness skills as five steps to help you um, boost your resilience, to help you strengthen your resilience. And um, when Debbie was looking at my notes, she reminded me to tell you all, um, I've been using this term emotional fitness and um, the last couple months, and I should probably tell you why, because um, I've, uh, if you've read Happier Now, I talk about happiness or emotional health. So I really come as I'm working on my next book, which I mentioned, um, which is so exhausting and so exciting and all the words in between. It's like the whole thing. Um, and don't ask me the title. I just need to tell you all, a lot of um, folks have reached out. I said, cause I talk, I share the process just like I share everything else in my life. And I know some of you have pinged me um, to say, hey, what's the title? Super, super secret. Cause it's awesome. And it's really, really unique. So super duper secret. I'm being a total tease right now. Anyway, as I've been working on this new book, um, I have realized that emotional health wasn't cutting it, that it was not active enough. And so um, I'm really focusing and talking and thinking about emotional fitness, just like physical fitness. We all know that physical fitness is something we need to practice. You can't just go to the gym and lift 100 pounds weight if you haven't done it before, right? The same with emotional fitness. That's why we talk about them as skills. We have to cultivate them, we have to develop them. And so emotional fitness just fits better um, with um, what I teach, what I share, it resonates better with me. So that's the term. Um, we're gonna be hearing about it a lot. Um, it's really resonating with me to talk about emotional fitness. So let's talk about these emotional fitness skills that can help us strengthen our resilience as we go through this challenging time. And through other challenges in our lives, because um, life is full of them, right? It, it doesn't end with the pandemic life. The definition of life is there's gonna be challenges in it. So the first skill I wanna talk about is acceptance. And again, I have mentioned these skills before. This is what these webinars are all about. But today I'm really gonna focus on how to use them to boost resilience. So uh, as I've been doing a lot of research on resilience, one of the themes that's been coming up a lot is that one of the key things that help us be more resilient during adversity is feeling that we have some control over what's going on. And when I read this research, it totally resonated with me, right? I think something that is so difficult about this pandemic is we feel out of control. Right, like we are, this thing is happening and we're out of control. My daughter is in virtual school online right now, right? She's not going into her high school. You know, people are losing jobs. We're not going into work. People are getting sick. It's awful and everything seems like it's out of our control. And so I think the skill of acceptance is such an essential one to practice to help us during this challenging time focus our attention on things that we can control and not waste our emotional and mental energy on things that we cannot. And we've talked about this before, but I really want to refresh um, this fact for you that your brain's number one job is not to boost your emotional fitness. It is not to make you happy. It is not to take care of your well-being. I'm sorry if that's a bummer, but that's true. Your brain's number one job is to keep you safe from danger. 
okay? And to keep you safe from danger, your brain is constantly looking for what is wrong, what might go wrong. And we've talked about it before, your brain hates uncertainty. And right now, by definition, we're in a time of uncertainty. So one of the things your brain is doing is it's making up possible bad things that are gonna happen just to gain a sense of control, right? Like our brain would rather know that something really bad is gonna happen than to face uncertainty. And so that's something that's going on in the brain and it can be really draining. Think about whether you've caught yourself recently um, thinking about the future, uh, whether your brain has been creating dramatic negative scenarios, um, creating possible danger that maybe is not there, that is really draining. That drains your energy, that drains your emotional energy, that drains your ability to um, be okay through the day, to just function. And so the skill of acceptance really helps us to come away from kind of ruminating on possible future negative things, on, oh my God, this is not how it should be, and to bring our attention to what is something that we can control, which then again, in turn, research shows boost our resilience. So here are the two steps of uh, practicing acceptance that I really encourage you to commit or recommit to now. The first is that acceptance is all about looking at how things are with clarity, which is facts, which is what you know, instead of judgment or drama, right? So. Um, if you catch yourself really getting lost in possible future difficult things or scenarios, or um, if you catch yourself stuck in that this is not how it should be, can you practice that step of acceptance and you say, okay, how can I see the current situation with clarity? What are the facts? And how can I separate the facts from the drama, the should, the possible negative things? And in that is a lot of relief because it allows you to not waste your emotional energy on that and to then you have it to actually get through your day. And then the second step of acceptance is to say, this is how things are. What is one tiny small thing that I can do given this situation? And it can be really tiny, right? Maybe it's a tiny self-care thing you do to boost your mood a little bit. Maybe. Um, the situation involves someone else and you can say a kind word to them. But again, practicing these two steps of again saying, let me look at things through the lens of acceptance. Like, what are the facts? What do I know to be true? And let me put aside the should, this is not how it should be, the drama. And then saying, given how things are, what is one small thing that I can do? Because in that is where we gain a sense of control. And remember, when we feel that we have some control over something, that boosts our resilience. And no, we cannot cure the pandemic, right? We can't clap our hands and eliminate it. But I challenge you, and I know that within every single day, however many challenges you are going through right now in your personal life, in your work life, you can find one or two tiny steps that you can take to either help yourself boost your emotional fitness in some way, feel a little bit better, help someone else feel a little bit better. And in doing that, you are focusing your attention on here's what I can control. Here's where I can do something. And that helps you feel resilient. So that's a way to use um, the skill of acceptance to help boost your resilience. And it's really I have to tell you, I've been really, really practicing it. And one other thing um, that I just want to mention is to use the same two steps when it comes to your feelings. 
um, you know, I've been talking about feelings as inputs, right? When you have a feeling, that's what you feel. It's an input, right? Don't judge it. Don't get stuck in, I shouldn't feel this way. This is not how I should feel. Why do I feel this way? Acknowledge with clarity, accept this is how I feel. And then ask yourself, given how I feel, what is one small, tiny thing that I can do? Again, we cannot all immediately solve all the huge problems in our world. We have plenty of those. But ruminating on them or talking about how out of control it feels doesn't actually help us get through right? Or improve anything. So the skill of acceptance constantly helps you bring your focus and your attention to something you can control. And that way you can help yourself, you can help others, you can help our community, you can help the country get through this. But if you get stuck in the rumination, believe me, that is not how you help anyone, including yourself. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging skill to practice. I do want to say that. All of these are, but expect acceptance in particular, because the brain, oh, the brain would rather you get stuck and oh my God, everything is terrible. It's going to get worse because remember the other thing your brain has is what's called a negativity bias, right? And this actually is a good segue into the next skill, which is gratitude and how to use gratitude to boost resilience. Remember that your brain has a natural negativity bias. What that means is that your brain is naturally much more sensitive to anything that is negative, anything that is stressful. It is just um, how our brain has evolved to help protect us from danger because danger usually comes with negative stimuli, right? Like I would say, like a pack of wolves is running at you, a lot of negative stimuli, a lot of danger. Your brain is very sensitive to it, so it can help you figure out how to protect yourself. And so your negativity bias actually gets more sensitive when you're going through something hard. So right now, it's even easier for our brain to get stuck on everything that is wrong. And there's not a shortage of things that are wrong, okay? But again, just getting stuck in those negative thoughts, that doesn't fix the situation. That doesn't help anyone. So the next skill that I encourage you to practice, again, with a focus on helping your resilience is gratitude. Research shows that when people are going through a crisis or a really traumatic event, and they practice gratitude, they experience lower um, instances of depression and anxiety, they have lower chances of PTSD, and they get through it with uh, more fuel. They've done research on families, for example, who've lost everything during a hurricane, and families who um, have a grateful mindset, so who say things like, um, you know, it's awful that we've lost our home, but we're so grateful that we are all healthy and that our dogs survived, right? So families who practice gratitude uh, actually get through the challenges um, with greater resilience. And so gratitude is a way to remind your brain that the difficult negative things that are everywhere around you during a challenge, they are not everything. One thing that happens um, in our brains when we're going through a hard time uh, or when the brain senses danger, and right now all of our brains are constantly sensing danger, there's actual danger, the virus, and then our brain is perceiving a lot of other danger. I'm gonna talk about one of those things um, when I talk about the next skill. So what the brain does when it perceives danger or a lot of uncertainty, it narrows its focus. Do you know that your field of vision narrows if you perceive danger because the brain wants you to really see clearly right like the brain is constantly think of physical danger so again a pack of wolves your brain 
narrows your vision so you can see them really clearly so you know how to run away. The brain also narrows your perception. And what I mean by that is, think about how easy, I, I'm raising my hand, this is something I've observed in myself, how easy it is when things are so hard to just think about how hard they are. It's almost like we get into this tunnel vision of just seeing the challenges. Well, gratitude is what helps us to expand the canvas of our lives. It takes that and it broadens it and it says, yes, these are really challenging things, but here are also some good things. Here are some kind things. Here are some beautiful things. And that helps your brain not spin out into a negativity spiral and that becomes your source of resilience. So recommit or commit to practicing gratitude, not just to feel better, but also to give yourself that resilience to constantly remind your brain, listen, there are good things in life. It's not all bad. And, you know, the, here's the thing. It's something I am writing a lot um, in my new book. What I've realized with emotional fitness is a big part of emotional fitness is learning how to talk back to your brain. You've got to talk back to it, right? I've shared this quote with you before. Um, uh, I believe it comes from Zen Buddhism. I haven't been able to find the source, but the quote is, your brain is a terrible master, but a great servant. Your brain is a terrible master, but a great servant. Think about that, right? So left to its own devices, the brain really is a terrible master. It gets ruminates on negative thoughts, perceived danger everywhere, tells us how bad we are at everything, amazing at self-criticism, completely distracted, right? Like, by the way, speaking of distraction, I just need to take this time out. Do you know that half of you are not listening to me right now? Seriously, 50% of the time, we are not paying attention to what is right in front of you. So that means half of you all are ignoring me right now. Pain, pain right here, pain. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, half of you are ignoring me right now because 50% of the time, our brain is not where we are. We all know this, right? You're watching a show and it's like, oh my God, did I do the laundry? I forgot to email Debbie. Oh my God, I got to do this thing, right? Or you're in a work meeting and you're going, when is my dentist appointment? That's your brain, okay? So it is not a great master, but it is a great servant. Our brain is highly trainable. That's why I call it emotional fitness because you can train your brain to help you and practicing gratitude during a challenging time, trains your brain to remember, aha, uh -huh, okay, not everything is awful. Okay, here are a couple good things. Good, let's not freak out. And again, you've gotta talk back to your brain. I gotta totally like spill the beans. My new book actually has scripts for how to talk back to your brain. And I've shared a couple on Instagram. You have to learn to talk back to your brain kindly, but forcefully, kind of like someone said this to me the other day when I was talking about, they're like, it's kind of the Natalie voice, you know, it's kind and compassionate, but it's like, do your homework. So kindly and forcefully, you got to talk back to your brain. So when your brain is going, everything is horrible, everything is awful, you go, okay, thank you. That is not very helpful. Let's think of a couple specific things I am grateful for. Look, there are good things in life. Not everything is horrible. And again, gratitude is not about like, let me ignore everything that's wrong. Not at all. 
gratitude is about, we talked about acceptance first, right? You always practice acceptance first. You really want to be aware of reality, but gratitude actually corrects your vision. If you are not practicing gratitude, you are not seeing your life clearly. Debbie, I'm really missing the stage right now because if I was, when I do talks like this on stage, right now I would show you this video. Maybe I'll remember to do it next time. I would show you this amazing video, which I'm not going to talk about because I will show it. Um, this is when I share a really touching video about um, gratitude glasses. Without gratitude, you are not seeing your life clearly. Without gratitude, your brain's negativity bias is coloring everything in negative. So gratitude is not about pretending everything is amazing when it's not. Gratitude is about making sure that you don't take for granted the many small and big kind things and loving things and comforting things that will remind your brain to not overfocus on the negative. You heard me share my gratitude and Debbie's gratitude. Those are really easy things to take for granted. I can come into my house every day and be like, yeah, whatever house. But when I practice gratitude, it gives me fuel and it reminds my brain like, yes, pandemic, Mia hasn't been to school. I'm worried about my grandpa, but I'm really grateful for a comfortable house, right? That's the power of gratitude. So it helps to even out your brain and it actually helps you see your world, your life more clearly because you're not forgetting all the good things that are there. So just a reminder. Can I jump in and give yeah. a quick example? Um, this is from Katie. She says that she does this when she has to speak to larger groups. She says, thank you for trying to protect me. Um, uh, I do not need it today, and I appreciate you letting go. Helps her come uh, come with her anxiety from 300 to 100%. Like, it calms her that much. Someone else, Kim, said that she uh, actively talked through her, to herself through a job interview, talked to her brain and how it would go better than she expected, and she got the job. She says, it truly does work. Um, so I love these examples of talking back to the brain that we're seeing. It's an important skill. We all got to do it, again, kindly, because it's part of you, but with force, so it listens. Um, those are awesome. Love hearing that. Um, so just as a reminder of a gratitude practice, which I've shared before, um, if you have a gratitude practice, awesome. Um, I always say this, there's not a perfect gratitude practice. The perfect gratitude practice is the one that works for you that you can stick to. That's what makes a perfect. Um, but if you don't have one, I've shared this before. It's one of my favorites, three gratitudes before your first email of the day. We all know we grab this thing first thing in the morning. We do it. Let's just acknowledge that we do it. We're all friends. Okay. So we grab this thing. So before your first email or your first news article, before your first social media glance, pause, take a break, inhale, exhale, and then think of three specific things you are grateful for. You're going to, I hope that the Natalie voice in your mind, whenever you practice gratitude is be specific, be specific, be specific. If there's one mistake that I do see people make about gratitude is it's being too general, right? Like I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for my health to your brain. That sounds like blah, 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 blah. It's too general. So be specific, ask yourself why, right? So for me, I, I didn't just say I'm grateful for my home. I told you why. 
Because when I think about the why, I actually feel the gratitude. So it's not just checking off a list. Okay, I'm grateful for my home, for my tea, uh, for my art book. And you're not checking off a list because that's there's no impact. You want to feel the gratitude. And so asking yourself why you're grateful for something really helps. So three gratitudes before your first email, first social media, first news of the day. And by the way, it really helps. Like at this point, um, when you're creating a new habit, connecting it to something you're already doing is really helpful. So I have to tell you, because I do this every day. Now when I like touch my phone, it, I'm, I like think of practicing gratitude even throughout the day. So it becomes a really good trigger um, if you connect it to something um, that you're doing in the morning. So acceptance, gratitude, let's talk about intentional kindness. Um, as human beings, we cannot function well when we feel alone or isolated. Do you know that the Surgeon General said in the US that the number one health um, risk in America is isolation? Isolation or feeling isolated leads to increased anxiety, um, higher chance of a heart attack, early death or a stroke. And obviously right now we are all feeling more disconnected from each other um, than ever, right? With social distancing and not seeing friends and family as much or at all, not knocking into our colleagues in the hallways. Um, and I have to tell you, I mentioned this earlier, I was saving it for this skill. Speaking of danger and perceived danger, I read research recently about how these small positive interactions we have with strangers throughout the day. Um, so like in a coffee shop, you know, you say hi to someone or you're sitting next to someone on a bus and you just say like, hi, how are you? Isn't the weather nice? Those tiny positive interactions with others in our community actually send a signal to the brain that we are safe. And right now we are not having those interactions. I've, I've shared this before. It's something I really miss. I'm a, bis, I'm a big, this may surprise you. I'm a big miss chitty chatty. Like when I'm in a coffee shop or a store, I'm like, you know, I know it's very shocking. I know because I'm so calm and quiet and shy. So I know you're shocked, but it's true. I love to have these like moments of connection with other people and I'm really missing that. Um, and again, I just want you to be aware that your brain is missing the signal of safety that it's usually getting. And so all of that makes it so much more essential that you commit to practicing intentional kindness as a skill, not as random acts of kindness whenever you feel like it, but actually something that you practice intentionally and daily. And again, the small things are the big things. Okay, don't underestimate how a kind text to a friend to just say like, hey, I'm thinking of you, or a funny gif that you sent to someone, um, or a kind word you say to someone on Zoom, don't underestimate of how powerful that can be, or like a little surprise gift that you sent to someone, or a card. The small things are a big thing, and when you practice intentional kindness, the greatest gift is to you. That's the greatest gift. Because every time you do something kind, you remind yourself you are not alone. There are people in your life you care about. I think of when you practice kindness, it's like a little fiber of your humanity connecting to another person. And so one fiber, another fiber, and you feel less alone and you feel more connected. And that becomes a huge source of resilience. And so um, I want to share with you my favorite kindness practice, which is blast your stress with kindness. It's really simple. I've been doing it a lot lately. When you feel really, really overwhelmed, think of as many tiny, kind things that you can safely do and do them. A text, um, 
a phone call, uh, scheduling a little Zoom chit chat, sending someone a fun, a fun little surprise. If you can do a couple of kind acts all together, clustering them all together actually gives you a greater benefit. You really, um, it's the fastest way that I know how to get out of my head when I'm really, really overwhelmed because it shifts my attention from, oh my God, my life is awful, I'm so stressed out, to how can I elevate someone else? How can I support someone else? And in that is resilience. So I really encourage you, practice, blast your stress with kindness. And um, when, especially when you're feeling really stressed out and overwhelmed, can you do a couple of those kind things together? And that really gives you um, the boost and the shift from the stress thinking and becomes a source of resilience. So let's talk about the skill of the bigger why. Um, here is the way that I think about the bigger why. So the bigger why is um, your sense of purpose, connecting to your sense of meaning. And I think it's easy sometimes to think of like sense of meaning as something that's out there somewhere and we have to go and find it. But actually the best way to connect to your sense of purpose is within the everyday things that you do. And most of us derive a sense of meaning when we connect something we are already doing to how does it help someone else? How's it, how does it support someone else? How does it contribute to someone other than you? So <clears throat> again, it's, you can do this with anything, right? This webinar, right? Well, how do I'm doing it? How does it help someone else? I'm hoping it helps you all. Making dinner last night. How does making dinner, how does it contribute to someone else? Well, my family gets something awesome and nutritious to eat and we all get to sit around and make fun of each other. That is, by the way, the normal, regular activity in the COVID ski back household, making fun of each other with a lot of love. But I don't think we've ever had a meal ever without making fun of each other in some way. Boy, humor is a source of resilience. I have to tell you, it's not one of these five skills, but it's like an added one. So again, the best way that you connect to your sense of purpose is to constantly ask yourself, like with things that you are doing, how does this contribute to someone else? And when you connect to your sense of purpose, when you connect to your bigger why, it becomes what I call your bridge of resilience because it gives context to the stress you may be feeling. It gives context to the challenge or exhaustion or the overwhelm that you are feeling. You, of course, we can't get rid of all of it. We can't, we can't get, just eliminate the stress that we're all experiencing. But if you keep reminding yourself of how the different things you are doing during this challenge, how are they actually, helping someone else, it fuels you with meaning and meaning is your source of resilience. And so um, uh, my little practice for you of the bigger why is what I call a to-do list makeover. So very simple, look at your to-do list, pick a couple things and ask yourself, how does this help someone else? Who does this help? And actually answer the question. And I cannot tell you how powerful this is. And I encourage you to do this for the most annoying work tasks that you really don't feel like doing or that stuff on your to-do list that you want to do at home that you really are resisting. Do it for those tasks. They're not going to get magically done. Sorry. But you will feel more motivated, more resilient, more fuel to do them. So to-do list makeover, something I practice every day, takes 30 seconds, but it helps you take some of your to-dos and it reminds you of how actually doing them and maybe feeling tired and stressed as you do them, how does that actually contribute to someone else? And that your bigger why that you feel in that moment becomes your bridge of resilience. 
So that's the bigger why. And finally, so acceptance, the two steps of acceptance, looking at things with clarity and asking yourself, given how things are, what's the next best thing I can do? What's one small step I can take to give you a sense of control, which is required for resilience, gratitude, to remind your brain to not just get overwhelmed with negative things, to remind your brain that there are things that are okay as a source of resilience, your three gratitudes before your first email practice, intentional kindness as a way to stay connected, as a way to continue to weave a fabric of human connection so that your brain does not freak out from isolation, blast your stress with kindness. So when you feel stressed, think of a couple tiny kind things you can do and do them all together. And the bigger why, which is connecting to your sense of meaning within the um, everyday things that you are doing. So to-do list makeover, look at a couple of your to-dos and ask yourself, who does this help or how does doing this contribute to someone else? So those are four emotional fitness skills, four practices, last one, the skill of self-care. Self-care is not just massages and spas, even though I love massages and spas, and you guys, I really am missing a massage a lot. I don't know if any of you have braved the masked massage experience. I haven't yet. My body can totally um, use it. We did buy this little shiatsu massage chair cover, which I totally recommend, but it's just not the same. So those are part of self-care, but I have a very different way to define self-care. Self-care is the, is the skill of cultivating a kinder friendship with yourself. Self-care is a way to treat yourself with kindness and support as you're going through this difficult time. And it is absolutely essential to your resilience because if you don't find ways to take breaks, to talk to yourself in a supportive way, to do something for joy for your soul, it's gonna be really hard to get through. And so um, think of um, ways that you can take 10 to 20 minutes throughout every day for your self-care reset or joy break. So um, this is the practice, 10 minute self-care reset. Every day, put it on your calendar. And it doesn't have to be, by the way, same time every day. Um, I was doing a one-on-one -on -one with an, one of our leaders uh, who's part of our Elevating Women Leaders group. I was doing a one-on-one -on -one with her recently and she was going through a really hard time. And she said to me that this practice of 10-minute self-care reset has been her lifeline, but her calendar has gotten so out of control, she hasn't been able to stick to that one time in the day. I said, let it go. It doesn't have to be the same time every day. Don't be a prisoner to it but find a time every day. My self-care reset sometimes is in the morning, sometimes at 11 p.m. at night. But every morning, can you look at your calendar and can you find 10 minutes and block it off? You can call it whatever you want, by the way. You can call it pink unicorn time. I, I don't care. You don't have to call it a self-care reset. But when that 10 minutes comes, can you pause and can you ask yourself, what is something I can do right now to rest and refuel? It can be going for a short walk if you can do it safely, having a cup of tea, um, uh, catching up on some reading. For me, it's a little watercolor. Maybe it's arranging flowers. Whatever that is, those 10 minutes are your fuel. And I cannot tell you how much research shows that a 10 to 20 minute break during the day is so powerful when it comes to resilience, when it comes to giving you emotional and mental fuel. And so that's your fifth skill your fifth practice. I know lots of you are asking for these practices. So they are on happier.com. If you go to happier.com, um, 
There are lots and lots of uh, blog posts about this. The two best places I recommend. So first is Debbie is going to share a link to our resources page. All of these are free. By the way, there's a really um, great handout on the resources page that talks about all these skills and practices. You can download it. I encourage you to forward it to every single human that you know. Share the goodness. Um, so Debbie's going to share that link. And then um, I've mentioned this before, but I am doing a, week, a new weekly YouTube video every week. It's my commitment starting in September to do more, um, to bring you short YouTube videos. And so I'm doing one every week and I'm covering all of these different skills and practices and more. So lots of resources for you. Thanks for asking. So those are your five emotional fitness skills to boost your resilience. Um, and we have some time for questions. I'm very proud of myself, y'all. This was like a lot of stuff. I did a, a talk on uh, resilience earlier this week and I mean I had to give more of a background but I was gonna do the five skills and I got through three which is okay I was very compassionate towards myself but I also laughed at myself because I was like I was gonna do all that in 40 minutes so we we do have some time for questions please uh, ask your questions in Q&A and in chat um, and yes, Debbie, please look in chat, everyone. Debbie shared a link to the resources page. There's a great handout on there with the five skills and practices. And um, if you're not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please subscribe. I'm filming a new video later today, actually, on resilience. Woo, -hoo, sneak peek. All right, Debbie, some questions. All right, so here's the thing, Madeline. We've got people on today who, this is their first time, we have people who have, who have been following Happier and the skills for years. Um, and so I think that, that one of the questions is really for that newer person who's practicing. And it feels like a Herculean task to like where to start. So if someone's new to these skills, where would you have them begin to support their resilience? Yeah, it's a great question. And I always, um, it's a great question that uh, I don't need to say what I usually say at the end of these sessions, which if you've been here, you know, I always give you homework. There's always homework. Um, and the homework and the answer to this question is to pick one thing. I gave you five because of what Debbie just said. Some of you have been practicing many of these, maybe you need a refresher, but I want you to pick one. Just pick one practice that I shared, the one that resonated the most, the one Actually, I'm going to give you a choice. Either the one that resonated the most or the one where I was talking about it and you were like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that one. Maybe pick that one because maybe that's the place where you really need um, a refresher or your brain really is being resistant. Pick one practice um, and commit to that practice for the next five days. I always say five days. There's no magic in five days, by the way. There's also no magic in 21 days to form a habit. I hate to burst anyone's bubble. There's no science behind that. It takes us longer than that to form a habit. But five days is a really good enough, it's a really good amount of time, short enough that you get to do it, right? You get to do this practice for five days and then you see what the benefits are. You see how you feel and you get to recommit for another five days and another five days. And then before you know it, you're like me and I don't know, it's been years. So five days at a time, five um, days at a time where you commit to one practice. So pick one of the five that I talked about and actually put it in chat, everyone. We have a few minutes. I'd love to see um, some folks share 
What practice are you committing to? From the five different skills that I shared, what are you committing to for the next five days every day? Because by the way, making your commitment public helps you stick to it. So we have our community going here. So I'd love to hear, um, I love it. Thank you for sharing everyone. Uh, please share in chat, what is the practice um, and the skill that you are committing to practice every single day for the next five days? Because one other thing I also wanna say, I love it, love it. Um, be specific in what you're committing to. Tell me how, tell me how you're gonna practice it. Research shows that it's easier to create a habit by doing something every day than doing something like every other day or once a week. Um, and small things are the big things. So your gratitude practice takes 30 seconds, but if you do it every single day, it adds up. And so take this moment, I love it. I love, love, love seeing your commitments. Make a commitment to yourself, pick one practice, do it every day for the next five days, check in, recommit, maybe try a different one or stick to it. But five days, check in, recommit. Great question. I'm glad I got to give you that like Natalie homework pep talk. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. So um, I'm going to read this next question directly from Kim. She says, I know I am worth it, but I find it, but find it difficult to focus on these skills when work is so overwhelming. What can I do to not feel guilty taking care of myself instead of getting that one other task done for work? And, and, and I want to say, Natalie, this is Kim Brown, who's going to be, uh, who is part of our Leading Through Adversity program. Woohoo! Yay! Hi, Kim. Great question. Boy, yeah, we're going to be talking about this a lot in the program. Um, and I do want to say hi, because obviously we have so many people on. We don't know everyone who's on, but our Leading Through Adversity program is kicking off on Tuesday with some incredible leaders in it. So I can't wait. It's a great question. And I know um, you're not the only person who's asking this question, because um, that whole talking back to the brain Oh, how the brain likes to pipe up and be like, well, all of this sounds really wonderful, but um, there's no time for this because I need to take care of my family and I need to take care of my work and these people need me, so I don't have time for this. Believe me, my brain really pipes up with this too. It's, it's what it does. So Kim and everyone, here is my pep talk about feeling selfish or guilty. Here it is. And this was a breakthrough for me because believe me, I was so good at this. I spent 40 years neglecting my emotional health and well-being with this excuse, with this like, my team needs me, my work needs me, my daughter needs me, my family needs me. I don't make it on my to-do list. Your emotional health, your emotional fitness, your emotions impact every single thing you do. They are not separate. You and how you feel and your energy are not separate from your work or from people that you care about. They impact everything. And unless you make these skills a priority, unless you take care of yourself, you simply cannot be, I was gonna say awesome, but it's not even awesome. You cannot function anywhere near your capacity. You cannot do great work. You cannot lead others. You cannot help others be at their best. You cannot. If you think you can, that is a lie you are telling yourself. That is a lie I told myself. I told it to myself until the day I completely broke down and I completely burnt out and I couldn't lie anymore. And I am being 
um, I was going to say dramatic, but it's not dramatic. This is what happened on purpose because I want you to practice these skills before you get to that scary place. And so Kim and everyone else, your investment of, and by the way, none of the things I shared take a lot of time. That's the other kind of, um, I don't know, I want to call your bluff a little bit on that. None of these things take a lot of time. If you do all the practices I shared, it's going to be 15, 20 minutes. If you do one, it's going to be maximum 10. So you want to tell me you don't have 10 minutes in your day to ensure that you can do great work. You can show up as a great family member, friend, and coworker. No way. So, but at the core of it is the realization. And this is the phrase. If there's one phrase that you hear my voice saying in your mind, let it be this. You cannot give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. You cannot get great work done or even as much work done if you are depleted and exhausted. You cannot. You cannot be a great leader. You cannot be a great friend or a spouse or parent. You cannot. So many of us think we can just like tough it out, but then you're just toughing it out. And so the thing that I want you to think about with connection with guilt or um, you cannot give what you don't have is when you catch yourself in that mindset of like, well, I, I don't have time for myself right now because I got to focus on my work. Ask yourself, what, what does your work want from you? Does it want you at meh capacity, not really being productive, just getting stuff done? Or does your work want you fueled and energized, right? Or when you think to yourself, um, I don't have time for myself right now, my family needs me. What does your family need? Do they need your stress, your exhaustion, your snapping at them? That's what I do when I'm stressed out, I snap at everybody, okay? Is that what your family needs or your colleagues? No, your family needs you fueled and feeling okay. I'm not saying amazing, but okay. And so call yourself out. So talk back to your brain when your brain is like, yeah, this is selfish. Be like, no, excuse me. This is the least selfish thing I can do because I actually want to be a good colleague today. I want to do good work today. I want to be a good parent today. So when your brain says like, no, no, let's feel guilty about this. You say, really? You want me to feel guilty for wanting to be a great leader at work? Really? Call your brain's bluff, talk back to your brain, and remember, you cannot give to others what you don't have yourself. End of pep talk. But you'll hear it again a thousand times, I promise. Thank you, Natalie. And I just want to, to um, give a shout out to all of the commitments in the chat and seeing mm. so much specificity. And don't go there yet, Natalie. There's too many. Okay, but I want to see. You see, she teases me, and then she's like, don't look. <laughs> But, but Natalie is going to so enjoy reading them, and I just want you all to know that it is her and our fuel to see you all practice. You know, Natalie talks about, and she said here before, she doesn't want to inspire you or motivate you. She wants to activate you. When you watch these webinars and you take away a practice and you do something um, that uses the brain science and the and all of the effort and even the input of this community and, um, and Natalie's research and application, like that is the most meaningful thing to her ever. Um, so, so Natalie, this, would, this is a vulnerable question that I know you're gonna be so glad to have the opportunity to speak to today. Someone said, what if when we try to talk to ourselves or have a break, we just wanna break down? That's a great question. 
Um, it's a good one to end on. And I really appreciate whoever asked it um, for your courage in asking. It's a hard question to ask. Um, sometimes you got to break down. This is a huge part of acceptance. This is a huge part of practicing acceptance of your feelings, of not stuffing them down, of not just toughing it out. I started by talking about how resilience is not about being tough. It's about embracing all the different feelings that you have. And so, yes, sometimes you just got to break down. I was talking with a friend the other day. She's going through a whole huge personal challenge on top of this Corona challenge. And she said to me, I just, I don't know how I can keep it together for much longer. Like I can, how can I just not break down and cry? And I said, why, why do you need to not break down and cry, cry, break down? Part of accepting the different emotions that we feel is allowing ourselves to feel really down. And, you know, I, I understand the fear we have of going there. I used to have that fear too. Um, in fact, research shows that most people are afraid that if they allow themselves to really feel a difficult feeling that they'll get stuck in it forever, right? I think that's where this like myth of positivity comes from of like, just try to be positive because there's a lot of fear. Like it's scary to break down. Like what if I don't come out of it? But you will. This is the thing to recognize that as human beings, we have really great capacity to experience different feelings. What wastes more of our energy, what makes it tougher for us to go through something hard is if we don't actually feel our difficult feelings, right? I cannot tell you how many people um, in my life who I've either worked with or I know personally who always like used to put on a very positive front. That's what I used to do but who as they've gotten more accepting of their different feelings and been able to actually, yes, sometimes cry, sometimes just feel like crap for a while, have shared with me, oh my God, it's liberating. Because you feel the feeling and you get through it. And by the way, research shows that when you feel a difficult feeling, like you actually feel it, you allow yourself to feel it, you get through it in a shorter amount of time and you feel it with less intensity. Because instead of resisting it, you allow your brain to experience it. You name it. It's really important to name what you feel. Um, even if it's difficult, it really helps your brain put it into perspective versus be subsumed by it. And you do get through it. So my answer to your question is sometimes we just got to break down. And sometimes we have to have a bad day. If you follow me on Instagram, this is something that I encourage and I share um, often and sometimes people get surprised they're like aren't you the woman who's like the happier lady yeah i run a company called happier but happiness is not about being positive all the time emotional fitness and hell and genuine happiness and health and it's not about feeling positive all the time it's about learning how to embrace all of the different feelings that we have and to do it with compassion towards ourselves and so um if you go to my instagram and i know debbie has posted a link you'll see many times that i share with you that i am having a bad day and i'm letting myself have a bad day and i'm not trying to make it better because first you have to feel the difficult feelings allow yourself to experience them and then once you feel it you can take steps to feel a little bit better so um that is, again, that's a great way to conclude is that is a huge part of resilience. And again, my invitation to you to not think of resilience as being tough, to not feel difficult things, to not think of resilience as a way to bounce back after challenges, but to think of resilience as positively adapting to a challenge of courageously embracing the challenge of 
feeling all the different feelings you have of learning from them, of um, finding different ways to articulate them and to share them, to learn something from that. So that resilience is actually something that helps you bounce forward, that you grow through this challenge, that you actually strengthen your capacity to get through difficult stuff. Um, and again, for me, just redefining resilience that way um, is really fueling. So thank you all so much for being here today. I cannot wait to read. We have like roughly a bajillion comments today. So I love, love um, that Debbie always saves a chat for me and I get to have my lunch after the webinar and I print it out or I read it in Google Docs. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of your commitments. Thank you for all of your questions. Thank you for all of your desires to not just help yourselves, but to help people in your lives. Um, as Debbie said, um, it's fueling, incredibly fueling for me. It is my bigger why to know that um, something that I share is helpful to you in some way, is part of your resilience in some way, is helping you to take an action that helps you in some way. Um, it's incredibly fueling. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for taking this time for yourselves. Um, I will see you next week. And as always, Debbie, virtual hug from sunny Boston to sunny New York. We always end with a virtual Yay, hug. Virtual hug. And virtual hug to all of you. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, everyone. Take care. All right, awesome humans. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Awesome Human Podcast. And I would love to know what resonated. What questions do you have? What are you excited to practice? So send us an email to team at happier.com. And please rest assured, if you send an email that you'd love for me to read, I will always get it in my inbox. My team will send it to me. Let's stay in touch so you can keep practicing skills to help you struggle less and thrive more in work and life. The best way to do it is to go to happier.com and subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I promise you, I would never send you spam. It's just more practices, skills, and stories to help you embrace your inner awesome human. I can't wait to see you next week.